a gift and a joy it is to gather with you for worship, your smile, your song, your presence. It's just a primary way that that I believe Christ is risen. You have been the body of Christ uh, to us today, and we're grateful for that. Thank you for joining with us for worship. If there's any way that we could uh, follow up with you, particularly if there's a way that we could partner with you in prayer, our staff gathers around these prayer cards and, and these requests on Mondays. It is maybe one of the most sacred privileges of our week is to gather and to partner with you in prayer. You, you can uh, you can use those as they're made available in front of you. Unless you're in the splash zone on the on the front row, you can reach who you can reach behind. And uh, if you'd share those with us, we would be honored uh, to partner with you in prayer. Um, our pastor Cheryl has shared some things. Uh, many times, not every week, but but many times, and it, and it sort of has become for me a um, a, a default sort of uh, call to worship. And, and maybe maybe you've heard her say say this uh, many times, not every week, but. Uh, more than once, Pastor Cheryl has sort of stood right here at the beginning of a sacred time of worship, and she says, uh, y'all, this is my favorite worship service of the whole year, and it's Christmas Eve, and it's Monday, Thursday, and it's Ash Wednesday, and it's Easter, and it's uh, Hanging of the Green, and, 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 and time and again, and, and I, this has just sort of um, been a phrase that has kind of just gotten in to, into my soul a little bit, and I, I'm just so thrilled uh, when she sort of inaugurates our worship service that way. This is, this is my favorite worship service of the year which sort of also has sort of begged the question within me. What, what is my favorite worship service of the year? I must not be a very good pastor if I, if I don't even know the answer to that question. I had a, I had a moment, an epiphany, an experience that I will say was an encounter with the Holy Spirit of God last Saturday. Uh, this is uh, this is the day our 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 Christian tradition celebrates as Holy Saturday or or Silent Saturday, setting between the the pain and agony of Good Friday and the joy in the, in the magnitude of the Feast of the Resurrection on Easter. I I um I don't I don't even know that Allison was doing this, but I had seen this article come across on, on Baptist News Global and I wanted to read it. And so in our home, if you need a few minutes to read something, what you do is you you go to the bathroom. <laughs> I was reading this, this article about uh, uh, um, an individual who has pastored churches all over the country, and it, and it captivated me. And just to let you know a, a little bit about maybe what it is, what it is we do here, just a, just a little bit, and, and this is not a complaint, but you know there there is a an entertainment issue in, in the church at large, and there is a demand during these sacred and holy times of year, Christmas and and Easter especially, and and there is this this uh, uh, aspect of of Easter knowing that we will be entertaining some people, and we will be, of course, it is so special. 
special to see some of our friends uh, last week, particularly, you know, those who, who are homebound and they have family in town or friends who, who, who um, uh, bring them to worship on Easter Sunday. It's just absolutely incredible. And also there's a good number of, of folks who are like a good number of people in my family who come to Easter Sunday and then 366 days from Easter Sunday, they'll come back. It's a leap year, don't you know? And there are at times in this, this profession where I, I maybe have a little bit of jealousy, you know, maybe a little bit of envy, maybe even a little bit of crankiness, Why, you know, which is sort of got me thinking about, well, you know, I was studying in Bible college at Washtaw and, and uh, in the Christian ministry department. And so one of the things that often happens is, is the Sunday after Easter, these little churches from around uh, central and southern Arkansas reach out to the college and say, hey, do you, have any, do you have any ministry students who can come preach the Sunday after Easter? And so, uh, and, and to give respite to, to these sort of small, uh, small town churches, we were invited to come preach the Sunday after Easter. Many of those churches no longer exist, by the way, which does say something about my preaching. Uh, very interesting dynamic in the church at large. Uh, eight, around 80% of churches in the United States 80%, near an, an overwhelming majority have less than 100 people on a Sunday morning. And actually, a, a place of tremendous innovation, a, a place of tremendous even uh, ecumenical thinking, uh, a, a multicultural sort of reconciliation is happening in small town churches. People are coming together, whereas uh, uh, formerly uh, um, uh, resources allowed for small town churches to be as segregated as all the churches are in the world. Actually, in small towns across America right now, because of, you know, this is, this is a, a metaphor for small town America, uh, certainly, but we're seeing tremendous innovation happening in small town churches around the country. It's a fabulous dynamic. And so for, for years, I was invited to small town churches to preach the Sunday after Easter. As associate pastor in Richmond for years, I was, I was invited to preach the, the Sunday after Easter. And so I think I have come to the conclusion, the Sunday after Easter is my favorite Sunday. And I join with Pastor Cheryl in saying, this is my favorite worship service of the year. And so I'm reading this article in the bathroom with a locked door, much like the disciples who are hiding behind a locked door. And this individual who wrote this article, and I was expecting, in fact, a friend of ours wrote an article in like 2008. It got picked up by the Babylon Bee. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this publisher, but they write like satirical news. It's hysterical. Last week, the Babylon Bee uh, uh, reported that because of inflation, the Easter Bunny was delivering ramen noodles to children all over the world. But a friend of ours in 2008 wrote an article, a dynamic pastor wrote an article to the public saying, don't come to church on Easter Sunday. We don't want you. But this article I was reading behind a locked door in a very sacred place of our home was extending such compassion, such kindness, and such welcome, particularly to people who come to church one time a year. And it, 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 it impressed something on, on, my, on my soul. It, he said, 
you said something that reminded me, and you may be familiar with this phrase, Deepak Chopra and, and uh, Brene Brown work with this concept. And, and I'm going to just kind of uh, translate it a little bit. But uh, Chopra and, Br- and Brown say this. Most people, most of the time, are doing the very best they can do. <sighs> most people most of the time, are doing the very best they can do. And, and I encourage you to take that and, and, and receive that. I believe it's similar to this word that Jesus says here to, to those who are hiding behind the walls. And, and I like to give the disciples a hard time. And, and there's this interesting dynamic where all the men disciples are scared and so they're hiding and all the women aren't scared and they're out there doing all the things to keep the, the, the early movement going. And also, they're, they're doing the best they can do. They are. And, and, our, and our friends who come to church one time a year, at least this year, I am committed to saying, awesome, awesome. Do you know, it takes a lot of courage to walk into to an organized, institutionalized, religious setting. It does. It takes a lot. Churches are weird. Not this church. We're really weird. <laughs> it takes a lot of courage to go into it. All that, all that our friends carry on their shoulder, all that you carry on. Most people, and I hope you receive this, uh, not just towards other people, but also towards yourself. And C.S. Lewis says that what we really believe about grace is shown by how we treat ourselves. This is a, most people are doing the best they can do most of the time, just simply translated grace. And Jesus says here, you can hold on, you can hold on to, you can hold on to your anger. You can hold on to the brokenness. You can hold on to the hurt. You can but Jesus says, yeah. And so, I, I, you know what? I'm doing the best I can do. I am. Is it perfect? No. Am I broken? Yes. Am I selfish? Yes. Would you like to hear some other? Yeah. But I, I'm, doing the best, I'm doing the best I can do. And you know what? You're not perfect. You're broken. You're forgetful. And goodness, you are beautiful. And you are doing the very best, the very best that you can do. People, people who understand this far better uh, than I, and uh, just for the record, I did preach this in the early service, and I was told I said everything wrong from a scientific perspective. You're welcome. But people who are far smarter than I have said, there will come a day where we look back on this moment in history and define it pre and post the James Webb telescope. Have you, have you heard of this telescope sending back the most incredible images of the universe? One time I was preaching about sort of some of this physics and stuff, and I kept, I kept confusing astrology and astronomy. It was a great sermon, don't you know? <laughs> The, the $10 billion satellite telescope that was launched Christmas Day, 2021. The information that is coming back, as I, as I understand, is fascinating. It is particularly able to receive infrared information 
And infrared, interestingly, is light that has longer wavelengths and lower energy. Now, isn't that an interesting word? That which is allowing us to see the universe right now as it has never been seen before is not faster wavelengths, nor is it higher energy. It's lower. It's more simple. It's more quiet. I think it's whispering. Peace. Peace be upon you. And like the James Webb telescope in which there will come a day, this is known as a pillars of creation. And as I understand it, as you can see on the, on the right, because of infrared, all those that look like stars are actually galaxies. Galaxies we've never even seen before. <laughs> and like the James Webb telescope, an event that we will look back on and say, is this pre or post? We believe and hold to faith and hope that there is an event that does sit at the very center of all history and all reality, the resurrection of Jesus the Christ. This is that which colors the entire way that we experience life. This is the definition of victory, wholeness, and salvation. This is which all else is understood. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I'm going to take a risk this morning, okay? And because it's my favorite Sunday of the year, I, I can, I can, I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous about doing this, but I'm just going to ask for your grace ahead of time. No, okay. I would never, ever say anything negative about Patrick Mahomes, Okay. There are people in Lubbock and in Kansas City and White House, Texas, who very well believe that he is the second coming of Jesus, and he might be. And he's a wonderful athlete. I think his wife, the soccer player, might be the better athlete, but I'm biased, I'm biased. As I understand, he seems to be a wonderful human, and, and he has been so generous to our city and our community, and to that, say thanks be to God. Now, this is not a criticism of Patrick Mahomes, so before, before you get really upset at me, okay? But just a few months ago, Patrick Mahomes um, continued a tradition in this world. Now, probably, in, in my opinion, the, the greatest greatest, not even best words, but um, some of the most distinguished awards in our culture would be the Nobel Peace Prize and maybe the Medal of Honor. These two acknowledgments and recognition are just tremendous. However, maybe the third greatest accomplishment that a person can do in modern history is the winning quarterback of the Super Bowl. I expected more amens when I wrote that, but anyways. And when uh, Patrick Mahomes, maybe you've seen the commercial, but when Patrick Mahomes recently uh, led uh, the team to the promised land, he was asked a question after he won the game. And in 1987, uh, Phil Simms was the winning quarterback of the Super Bowl, and he was asked a question, and he started a, a timeless tradition unlike any other, right? Uh, he's, he was asked, what are you going to do? You've just won the Super Bowl, the third greatest accomplishment in modern history. What are you going to do next? And Phil Simms and nearly all the quarterbacks since 
have responded to that question with, I'm going to the most magical place on earth. And here is Patrick, who's traded in his guard and his tackle for much better teammates. But I think, it's, I think it reveals something interesting about our, our culture and our world. And Patrick and his team, having accomplished that which is among the greatest feats, in, in, at least in sports, okay, maybe even modern culture, they've accomplished something great together. And immediately after, immediately after, he's asked, what great are you going to do next? And there is this non-stop pressure and expectation in this world to do something great and then do it again and then do it again. And maybe that's a fantastic, it seems to be a fantastic way to run a football franchise. Wonderful. It, I don't think, particularly as it's revealed today in the gospel story, I don't think that sort of expectation is healthy spirituality. I don't think that sort of greatness is, is in the model of Christ. Christ risen from the dead, risen over, redeeming all powers, all authority, all brokenness. The, the very central event in all of human history, Christ risen from the dead. And comes to a group of people who are doing the very best they can do and says, peace be upon you. The, the simplicity of this is, is only matched by its profundity. Jesus says, receive. Doesn't say accomplish something great again. <laughs> Just receive. All that is needed has been accomplished by the Christ. Broken and risen and offering peace unlike any other. Brothers and sisters and friends, there's nothing great that needs to be done. It has been done. And the Christ does not need to follow up one great accomplishment with the next one. No, the Christ celebrates what has been accomplished and shares that with the disciples and by extension, we believe, with the world. There's nothing to do except receive the peace beyond all human understanding. The peace of Christ be upon you. Now, I invite you now to just take a moment to just breathe just a few times and, and maybe just imagine that the very presence of Christ that I believe is in this room as real as it has ever been in our world. The presence of Christ is in this very room. And would you just take a few breaths and as you do, receive this gift of Christ given to you. Peace, peace, peace. Let's breathe together. Amen. I invite you to stand as we continue to worship.